Uh, we are beginning our series, and as we begin our series, we're beginning our series in um, uh, John's Gospel for the season of Lent. Lent starts officially this Tuesday. We all know this, well I know this coming from the UK, because this Tuesday is what we call Pancake Tuesday, Shrove Tuesday, and it's where we eat pancakes as much as possible, because after that we don't have any food as in pleasurable uh, until Easter. So of course that's Lent. But uh, rather than giving something up, I feel quite challenged to challenge you as a church. Maybe rather than giving something up, maybe for the season of Lent, you do something. So maybe you read the Bible for 30 minutes. Maybe you read the Bible for the season of Lent. Maybe you are set to do an act of kindness every day. So often we think of Lent as a time when we stop doing something. Maybe it's time for you to start doing something. Make a difference. Step into that. And through our our Lent season for the seven weeks, we're going to be learning and thinking about the Gospel of John. We're going to be understanding about what John's Gospel has to offer us and and the remarkable uh, story that is in John, the... um, which talks about the greatness of Jesus Christ. John's Gospel talks about the greatness of the love of Jesus. And and John's Gospel talks about the greatness of His grace and the difference that He makes in our lives and the difference that He does. So we're going to uh, begin our journey by reading together. And uh, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was... With God in the beginning. Through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Right away at the beginning we see that the, the Apostle John wants to highlight and wants to show us the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He uses this phrase, in the beginning was the Word, and of course for those of you who are Bible scholars, you know that the word that is used there is logos. And I want to remind you immediately how amazing Jesus Christ is. If you were to say, who in history has had the most influence? Who is the most well-known? Who has made the greatest impact? Then arguably, easily, we could say in all of human history, Jesus Christ has made the greatest impact in all of history. You see, let me tell you some things. That there have been more songs written about Jesus Christ than any other human being on the face of the planet. There have been more more books written about the Lord Jesus Christ than any other human being on the face of the planet. There have been more pieces of art created than any other person, about any other person on the face of the planet, which which is amazing. 
there've actually been more films, more documentaries, more YouTube discussions about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ than anybody on the face of the planet, including the Kardashians. There is more said about. If you don't know who the Kardashians are, then you are a holy, godly person. There is more historical research being put into one individual than any other individual in all of history. This is how great Jesus Christ is. The impact that he's had on the world. The change that he's had in the whole of this world that we look at it. Let me explain to you also that for charity work, for NGOs, for relief activities, for orphanages, for hospitals, for any charitable work globally, by far more charities, more NGOs, more relief has happened in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ than any other other organization or group or philosophy in the whole of the world. You may be surprised to discover that more schools, more colleges, more universities have been established on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ than any other in the world. Believe in Jesus or not, accept his claims or not, the one thing you and I have to agree on is that as one single individual, he has had the greatest impact on the whole of humanity. The greatest impact. H.G. Wells, historian and writer, he said, although I do not believe in this man, Jesus Christ, I have to admit that this penniless preacher from Galilee has made the most significant impact on all of history. Napoleon himself, he said, I understand men. But when I compare men to the man Jesus Christ, I have to say that there is no man in all of history that compares to that Jesus Christ. Because he built his empire on the power of love. I wish I could say that in a French accent. Without insulting half a dozen people. Uh, But, Napoleon knew. Spurgeon himself in the great Christmas sermon. I love Spurgeon. You know, those of you budding preachers, Spurgeon's first church so disliked him that they begged him to leave. (laughs) It's not encouraging for us. And then he went to London, became the greatest orator and the greatest preacher in Baptist history. But he, of course, in his great Christmas speech and sermon spoke about that all of history, from the very beginning of history to the end of history, the lines that move to one point and go out to another point, that line and that center point of all of history is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what John's trying to communicate to us. 
We see this played out in history, but John is trying to communicate this to you and I by the opening words of the first five verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word used here, of course, is logos. Now, for Greek uh, New Testament scholars, we know that the word logos is Word. It is the living word. We, we, we view it as the logos, the greatness of all that is spoken. You can look at the Bible and you can, they, we call it the logos. It is the word, it is the truth of God. But for a Greek scholar, the word logos was more than just a phrase to them. It was a whole lifestyle and a whole experience a whole way of belief with the Stoic Greek philosophers. You see, Logos, they believed that the universe, the creation, that the flow of nature, all that is out there is what they called Logos. And the aim of a Greek philosopher was to work with Logos, was to understand the order of Logos. To understand that their whole life as Greek philosophers and Greek thinkers was to get themselves into the order, into the alignment of Logos. So if your bur- house burnt down, then, then you were stoic about this and you'd go, okay, in Logos, in the line of creation and the world that we live in, there is a reason for this. Therefore, in the Logos of philosophy, I will continue on. If I experience this difficulty, then it's because of Logos. And Logos was a kind of Greek phrase in ancient antiquity that gave us that stoic view that somehow there was a greater power, a greater Logos of which you connected with. And the Greeks believed that without Logos, there is chaos. And chaos exists in all of the cosmos. And what the writer of John does here, he literally says, in the beginning was Logos. In other words, Jesus Christ is the only place in your life that you can find true alignment. Jesus Christ is the only place where you find true order. Jesus Christ is the only place where literally, for the Greeks, it would mean reason. Jesus Christ is the only reason for this world. And that by announcing in these words, in a kind of hymnal way, a hymn, that he's almost sung at the beginning of John's gospel in this hymn. He's saying, Jesus is the reason. Jesus is the alignment. Jesus is the order. Jesus is everything. So he's turning all of Greek philosophy completely upside down and pointing everything towards Jesus. There's that lovely moment, isn't there, in Prince Caspian? Where Lucy sees Aslan again. She goes, oh, Aslan, you've got so much bigger. And Aslan speaks and says, little Lucy, at this moment I'd like to be able to put on Leah Nielsen's voice. Little Lucy. You see, the bigger you get, the bigger I become. 
What John is trying to explain is the more you understand who Jesus Christ is, and the more you understand who he is, the bigger God becomes to you. And the longer you go on in your Christian walk, and the more you understand the personal and the relationship of Jesus Christ, he will grow in your mind. You will understand his greatness. You will understand how wonderful he is. You will understand he gets bigger and bigger the more you understand Jesus Christ. And isn't that a beautiful picture as we move towards Easter? That in our lives, may we get a vision of Jesus that is bigger and bigger and keeps growing and developing to a glorious sense in our own life that he is our Logos. He is literally God communicating to the world. He's the one. Now, when we look at this verse, it says, in the beginning was the Word. Oh, what does this mean? It means that that in the very beginning of continuation of all of eternity, how hard you can think beyond the very beginning, beyond the cosmos, in the beginning, Jesus, Logos, was there. Constant, consistent, always having existed. Think about that. Try and think about Jesus having existed forever and ever and ever. And after a while, you'll reach towards the Tylenol because you'll give yourself a headache. Because to capture the fact that he was always, literally it means... In the beginning, Jesus was. He's always has been was. He was there. As one theologian put it, Jesus Christ was and he has always been wasing. Bad grammar. But Jesus was and he's always been wasing. He's always been there. Bad grammar, but great theology. Always present, always there. He says that I'm always there. Secondly, so we have the pre, the eternal pre-existence of Jesus Christ. Secondly, we have the eternal relationship with God. And the word was with God. And here we have the eternal relationship with God. That they have been there together. God the Father, God the Son, dancing within what we call the Trinity. Where they love each other. Where they glorify each other. Where they defer to each other. Where they center on each other. Where they exalt each other. In the eternal dance of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One in three, the glorious mystery of our God that is imparted within us as God, as they made us in their image, that we have the ability of relationship, the ability of intimacy, the ability of connecting with others, that everything boils down to this very nature that 
it's been an eternal relationship. So we have eternal pre-existence. We have eternal relationship. And the word was God. And right here we have the glorious pronouncement that the Logos, which is Jesus, the living word of God, indeed was God. I think if you meditated on this and mused on it, then Jesus would get a little bit bigger in your mind. That you see that he is eternally pre-existent, eternally in a relationship, and eternally God. And then he is eternally, he was with God in the beginning. He is the eternal creator. That through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Wow, through him, the glory, the wonder, that through him, the creation, the world that we live in, the glorious place. You look around, you look into the beautiful night sky and you see the stars. You look beyond to the galaxies, and you look beyond to the galaxies. It was Einstein that said, we only see one billionth of what is actually out there in the whole of the universe. That we look up and we imagine that we can see that somewhere within our own galaxy, there is a hundred billion stars. But Einstein went on to say that there is a hundred billion stars and of course, a, a billion is a thousand million. But a thousand billion is a trillion. And a thousand trillion is a quadrillion. About how much the Western world owes in debt. And beyond a quadrillion, if you look out there, he said, beyond a quadrillion is a quintrillion. That's a thousand quadrillions. You can Google it. Is a quintrillion. And a, a thousand quintrillions is a sextrillion. Then you have a septrillion. And then you have an octrillion. And now I'm exhausted. And Einstein said that in the whole of the universe there is probably ten trillion stars. That's 10 with 27 noughts behind it. 27. Now you need the time of noughts. You can't even imagine it. You can't imagine the immensity. And yet what the scripture says is that through him all things were made. With him nothing was made. And you think God can't sort out your problems? You think God can't invade your challenges? You think that the darkness that you battle with, that the love and the greatness of God, that God has not got it under control because God loves you. God cares for you. And the very phrase of Logos is God is continually communicating to us. 
He's bombarding us with the light of God. It's amazing. It's amazing. You go, mm, I don't know whether God's got this. Can I really trust God? Well, Jesus Christ created 10 octrillion stars. I think he's going to come and help you and me. Because the whole of scripture screams at the love of God towards us. I love... Um, I love people who love engines because I am utterly useless with engines. Now I have in the days of YouTube, now YouTube, and I have had some great successes. I've managed to change a battery on my car. I've even changed a transformer and I've, I've even taken to pieces my washing machine while a YouTuber told me what to do on my model and it wasn't that problem, so I had to call somebody out anyway. Henry Ford invented the car, of course. Well, mass-produced the car. Turned it, the Ford model, into arguably the most successful car to face the planet. He had a good friend. Uh, Charlie. Charlie, if I get his name right, uh, Steinmenz, was brilliant engineer. And they said of Charlie, and Ford said of Charlie, that Charlie could, in his mind, build an engine from beginning to end and complete it just by sitting and thinking. He's a genius. He helped Ford immensely. He developed, helped them in the platform, uh, developing the kind of mass production, how the engines were built. He had this ability just to visualize. I guess he was kind of the Einstein of the mechanical engine world. He could visualize it and see it and know it. And one day, the, the production line of the Ford broke down and they, nobody could fix it. Nobody could fix it. So they, he, Ford got on and he's called up Charlie and he said, Charlie, come and fix this problem. So Charlie went, he sat there for a while, he thought, and he thought, and he thought, he walked over, he did a bit of tinkering, and the whole of the platform started to work again, and the whole production began. And he sent Henry Ford a, an invoice for $10,000, which was a lot back then, half a million dollars. Ford looked at this and was shocked and wrote back to him. He said, Dear Charlie, thank you so much for your invoice. Don't you think for a little bit of tinkering, 10000 is a little bit expensive? Charlie wrote back to him and said, sent another invoice. $9,990. For, he wrote, for thinking and $10 for tinkering. The Logos comes into our life and where we are broken, 
He knows exactly how to mend us. He knows exactly how to heal us. His greatness comes and brings life to us. He comes and meets with us. He comes and fills us that the light and the problem is is that everybody has a logos an alignment of where they align with but the problem is so many of the world they align themselves in the wrong direction they think I align myself in this direction I align myself in this belief I align myself here but it is the wrong logos the only true alignment that makes the real difference in our lives is to align ourselves with the true Logos, which is Jesus Christ. He's the reason. He's the one. People turn their back. They can't get their heads around that they're focusing on the wrong place. They're focusing in the wrong way. They're focusing in a way that they don't understand that the God of all creation, the God of eternity, the God that has always been, the God that created the octrillion stars in the universe is the God that wants to come close to them and be a gift of light, a light that shines in the darkness. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light of Jesus makes all of the difference. When I was a young man and did foolish young man things, like smoke, all all the lads used to get round and we'd, have you got a cigarette? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We called them something else, but... been recorded. A cigarette, you have a cigarette. You'd light the match, always a match, and you only could keep the match ready for two seconds. You have to put it out. We all did that. It goes back to the war in the trenches, but you had two seconds to light your cigarette, otherwise you'd shot. They said that when you lit a match in London, in the 1940s in the blackout that that match could be seen 27 miles away because where there is great darkness when there's a light shine and in the darkness of this world Jesus is the light that illuminates that's what John's trying to communicate to us He brings light into our darkness. He brings healing into our lives. He comes and brings hope to us. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There is no darkness that can overcome the light of Christ. And if you're battling darkness... Let me tell you, there is a light that dispels all darkness, all evil, all pain, and brings deliverance. And that light is the light of Christ, who is the Logos.
just align yourself with him. It talks about John. We will look at those verses. But if we move forward to verse 14 to finish off. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And we have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. This little phrase here, the word became flesh. God communicated to the world in the best way he could. He sent Jesus and he dwelled amongst us. That little phrase, he dwelled amongst us, literally means he tabernacled here on earth. In other words, God came from the glory and the eternal, the pre-existence of where he has always been, the endless relationship of God the Father, God the Son, where, where God was present, the all-created God came down in a tent and pitched his tent amongst humanity and came to live amongst us. Imagine it. Jesus Christ has come and he's pitched his tent on your front lawn. He's come into your life. His presence, his tabernacle, he's pitched his tent and come to us as a gift, as a present. And every one of us receives this gift we receive this present that comes through aligning ourselves with Logos. So where are you aligning yourself? What is the reason for your life? What is the direction you are following? Where are you finding true order? John says you'll only find it in Jesus the Logos.